Welcome, everybody, to the Journeyman Fire Podcast. My name is Kyle Sansing, usually joined by Andrew Zisk and Grant Schwalbe. Both those guys are unable to make it this week, um, and we wanted to put out something for Thanksgiving. I know people are flying, driving, wherever they go, and it's a good way to help pass the time as we do those kind of things. So today uh, on the podcast, we'll have uh, two pretty good friends of mine, guys that I rely on when it comes down to stuff in the fire service. First up, we have uh, Greg Wheeler from Raleigh Fire Department. Sorry, that's Captain Greg Wheeler from Raleigh Fire Department. Uh, it's, you had it right the first time. Well, it, it's kind of going with the theme of the show here today, and we'll let people in on it. Um, the theme of the show is uh, company officer leadership. Um, so I'll start with Captain Greg Wheeler. Um, Greg, if you want to introduce yourself and kind of let everybody know who you are, where you're from, what your station's kind of like, and uh, how many, you know, what Raleigh's kind of like. Kyle, thanks for having me. Um, we are uh, a relatively slow house in the big scheme of things. About 1500 a year, uh, suburban, uh, a little bit commercial, a, a few industries. Uh, Raleigh itself is about a half million people, uh, 29 engines, nine trucks, heavy rescue. That's uh, 22 years on the job, recently promoted uh, just this year. Uh, again, glad to be here and, and hope I can give something worthwhile. All right. Thanks, Greg. Uh, next up, we have Mike Dowling. Mike is a lieutenant with the Prince George uh, Fire Department in uh, Prince George County, Maryland. Um, he uh, he can kind of introduce himself and take it away from there. Howdy, folks. Uh, Mike Dowling, Prince George's, because don't want to be confused with another Prince George in Virginia. Prince George's County, uh, Maryland. Outside of D.C., uh, you've probably heard of us if you've been on the Internet and the fire service Internet in the last 15 years or so, but uh, we've got some good things and some, you know, other things going on, that every, challenges everyone else has. Uh, we are a combination system. I am on the career side of combination system, 500 square miles. Uh, 45 firehouses, um, and, uh, we see, uh, we see, uh, a decent amount of work throughout the county, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it keeps us busy. Uh, I work at a, uh, engine and a truck company. We, we cross staff our apparatus, uh, in most places. So I spend my time jumping back and forth between the, uh, engine and the ladder truck. Um, with a great bunch of guys who ride behind me uh, and staff our animals in the firehouse as well. So looking forward to this, this discussion today with these fellows. These are some uh, top-notch guys here. Sorry about that, uh, that faux pas there, Mike. It's, we're so close, close to Prince George County. Uh, that's what's on the local news, so it's kind of like programmed in my head. I always forget the uh, apostrophe S or whatever it is on the end of Prince George's County, Maryland. Um I just want to make sure that nobody else is getting in trouble for anything I say. <laughs> Fair enough. I think there's uh, quite a big difference between Prince George, Virginia, and Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, no offense to uh, Prince George County in Virginia. It's the much smaller smaller land of uh, fire department. So, uh, so like I said before, the the goal of today's blog, or you know pod is is to talk about company officer leadership. Um, Greg is a newly promoted captain and his system. You guys only have captains, right, Greg? Yes. Um, yeah, every, every house, every apparatus, every shift, there's a captain on that apparatus. Obviously, unless, you know, a, a sick or a vacation. Um, we actually use lieutenant title as 
for the drivers, but they are they are able to operate as the officer in charge in the absence of the captain. Okay, that's cool. And like I said, Greg's recently promoted. I was promoted almost two years ago um, to the rank of lieutenant. We have lieutenants um, in two-piece houses ride the engine, and captains ride the uh, the ladder on the back piece. So I am a fire lieutenant in my station. I have a, a fire lieutenant, a rescue lieutenant, and a um, a fire captain. Uh, we also have some other spots for EMS captains and other things like that. Uh, Mike, you run cross-staffing. You said, are you the only company officer in your house? Yeah, so on our shift, um, we have a lieutenant or a captain, one captain per station, who's the career station commander, and then a lieutenant on the other three shifts. Um, and, and we can, we can cross, you know, cross shifts, trade shifts, that, that kind of a thing. So, um, but we, a couple of years back, we went to requiring a, uh, an acting or promoted officer to lead all of our companies. Okay. How long have you been a company officer for? I've been a company officer. I think I did the math earlier today. I think it's eight years. Um, spent, uh, about eight months as an acting waiting for a spot to come up and then, uh, and then got promoted. Okay. Nice. So the first question I have for you guys, um, and it, it's it's so different, fire department leadership, I think, than most other places, um, because so much of it depends on your, your crew and the personalities involved and the, the type of calls you run and call volume. Um, but do you guys have a leadership style? And if so, could you kind of um, go into that a little bit and, and tell me more about it? Mike, uh, let's let's start with you. All right, leadership style. Um, my leadership style is make the best guess decision I can make based on the information that I have. See how that works, and if it doesn't work, don't do it again. Um, we, when I got promoted, we did not have a officer candidate school. We had a list of requirements of classes and things that we had to do, but we didn't have any formal. Um, leadership training um, when I first got promoted. We've made some changes. We had some different things beforehand. We've had some different things change afterwards. But I know my first year or two was a whole lot of trial and error um, coupled with a whole lot of phone calls to phone a friends, either other newly promoted officers um, or some more senior officers to try to say, all right, here's my situation. You know, if it was a if it was a situation where I had the the time to make that kind of a decision, um, it was it, a lot of my decisions were based upon the uh, the input of others and and learning from other people's experiences. So I'm not sure really what kind of leadership style that is, but um, you know, at this stage in the game, my my leadership style is trying to uh, you know do do my best. Do my, make my best decisions based upon our mission, the, the, the men that I have working for me, and then, you know, finally myself. And you know, I think you talked about Pete Blaber, Blaber's book in your last podcast. Um, you know, that was a, a formative, uh, read for me. I'm not a huge reader, but that was an important one, a good one for me to start with. Um, Bend the Mission and Me by Pete Blabler. Um, I think I'm butchering his last name, but it's, it's close. Um, I got turned on to that book through a program called Leadership Under Fire, which is a uh, – we brought the Leadership Under Fire company and cadre into our organization to do a leadership program for, for some of our officers. Um, that company or 
program is led up by uh, Jason Bresler, a, um, a Marine and an FDNY firefighter who has really taken a lot of the um, – he, he's done a really good job of mixing small unit leadership from the military and kind of making it work for the fire service, uh, along with some other team dynamic things or, or uh, human performance, mental performance things um, along the way. So uh, it's it's been a really good a really good program. Um, if I was a better student in that program, I would probably be able to define my leadership style. But at this point, I'm going with uh, what's gonna what's gonna what's gonna answer our problem. How's it gonna affect our men? And then you know, lastly, myself. Yeah. Much of uh, much of what Mike said, kind of kind of you know it. It, it was a, a parody of, of where I was, uh, what I have in my head. I'm not well read. I'm definitely not a, a student of leadership and I, the majority of, we're going to talk about training later in the, in the podcast, or at least I am. Uh, <laughs> many of the things that I focus my training on and, and what little bit of reading I, I do is way more about the back seat than than the front seat um so i actually uh i i did a little search on on leadership styles to see what fit what i was actually doing because again like mike i i couldn't put a title on on what i did without making uh without making some search or, or doing a search there but what i found uh was was the servant and you know that's that's kind of cliche in this this day and age of the fire service, anybody that's that's uh, doing any reading online or, or when I say reading uh, social media and paying any attention to what's going online, it's uh, serving as very much a buzzword. But I've, I feel that if I do what's right for my crew and my crew does what's right for our citizens, then, you know, I can take the heat if one of us makes a mistake. I will stand up for them if they do um, – what we have discussed, if, if they stick to, to the game plans that we've created together, I'll take the hit for what goes wrong. I'm, I'm confident enough in, in the decisions that I've made, and I, I trust their their judgment when they do have to, to go outside of the standard scope. So, uh, again, it's, it's very much for them, backing them up, and doing what's right for, for their neighborhood. That's great. I think uh, all three of us kind of have the same um, thought process on it. That, you know, especially me being a newer lieutenant, I kind of come from the aspect of, you know, I have a captain and a, a rescue lieutenant. The rescue lieutenant's been a lieutenant for almost eight years. Um, the captain's been around a lot longer than that. <clears throat> it allows me to uh, kind of get my feet wet in leadership and understand um, servant leadership. And it, it, I kind of realize that my mission is to support my guys to, to – to get to the, where they want to go, and um, their mission is, is to support the mission. You know, that's the job. If I set them up for success, give them expectations, um, you know, lead the right way, then they fall in line. I uh, I always tell people that one of one my, my favorite, favorite quotes, uh, I'm not in charge here, I'm just responsible. And I think it goes well in the firehouse that I'm outnumbered um, nine to one. You know, I've got nine guys and girls um, underneath me that if they don't want to follow me, they're not going to follow me. Um, 
let's be honest with ourselves, if they want to mutiny, if any crew wants to mutiny, and I think a lot of people in the fire service that think they're good leaders have found out really quickly that they're not in charge. When you're outnumbered, <laughs> you're just outnumbered. Now, I don't think anybody would doubt that, that Patty Brown was in charge of his firehouse, but for most of us, it, it's, we're responsible for things happen. So if we if we set the tone and set people up for success and lead them with expectations in a certain way, um, I know I never got any expectations when I joined the fire department from my officer or anything like that. And I think um, Mark Van Oppen does a really good job through his um, his podcast or his all his stuff that we're fully involved. He sets a, a ten for you and a ten for me program, and it's uh, it can be a little hokey. I know the first time I tried it, it was framed and put on a wall. Uh, with an old picture of me looking like a jackass from what I didn't know any better um, when I first started in the fire department. So it, it, it can get some blowback, but if you live by it, um, you know, people buy into it really quick. Um, you know, my motto for my crew at, at two, uh, Station 2A is tough and competent, um, you know, stolen from uh, the uh, the commander of the, uh, the Apollo missions. Uh, and uh and Dave Moore from uh Kent, Ohio, he's kinda one that put that in my head and we rolled with it. Um but I I'm a firm believer in servant leadership as well, Greg, and I I think Mike, you are the same way. Um so my next question is, um and you get this from a lot of lead, older leaders, my, my crew and I are, are really close. I don't have a separate office or a separate bunk room, so I sleep in Gem Pop, I'm always involved in them. And uh some people say, you know, hey, you're hanging out with your crew too much and for me, it's I know when to leave, know when to stay. They get certain rooms that I don't go in because that's kind of their close-knit, tight-knit room. Um, you know, if I hear a certain conversation leading a certain way, then I leave the room if I um, don't feel it's, you know, good for the officer to be there. But um, I'm a firm believer that you can be a buddy and a boss uh, to a certain extent. You can't be best friends, but you can be certainly a buddy and a boss. What do you guys think on that concept of being a buddy and a boss? Uh, Greg, let's start with you. Yeah, um Again, same mindset. I, I feel like a, a lot of our answers are going to be, uh, or a lot of our conversation, we're we're all going to be talking the same thing. Just that I feel that's that's what brought us together uh, is is same same style of leadership, same type of same style of firefighting. Um, so again, promoted in January, uh, changed shifts, came to a to an engine company, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, the firehouse uh i had a I had a different style of leadership than the the dude before me and and no slight on him he was a good boss but they uh both he and and the counterpart on the on the ladder company they were the guys that after dinner time they went to the the captain's cube they did their thing um I very much feel we can be buddies and me be in charge uh Offer that leadership role, be the boss when I have to be. You know, I sit up with the guys. We chat about how the day went. We chat about uh, neighboring companies, what we saw, what's on TV. And luckily, my hand hadn't been forced yet. We, uh, I've not had to be the boss uh, on anything significant. It's been, um, it's been pretty laid back. Everybody, they understand where I'm coming from. They know what I expect. Uh, Again, getting ahead of the, the conversation here, but I laid down expectations early on, and, and I hold them to it. And you know, occasionally I have to remind somebody, but it's always been a reminder, not a not a correction. It's it's not, uh, hey, come to the office and let's talk, because it hasn't gone that far. It's always handled because we do have that rapport that 
they know when I'm serious. They uh, they know what I expect up front, and so far, uh, so far it's worked well. We we've got a good working relationship, and I definitely see improvement uh, in, in our day to day interaction than I did uh, January 6th when I came on the job. And still remember that day very well. All right, Greg. Uh, thanks for that, Mike. What do you think uh, on being a buddy and a boss? So, uh, in my organization, we've got four shifts. We work twenty-four hour shifts on those four shifts. Um, we're spending we're spending a quarter of our lives with these guys. If you're not their buddy, that's a problem. I I just think that, that it's a problem. Um, I, I, again, I'll, I'll I'll talk about how lucky I am to have the crew that I have working for me. I've got this thing not working for me, working with me, um, that I get to work for. I get to work for these guys. Um, and, yeah, they're my buddies. There's a text group, you know. We're constantly messaging back and forth, whether it's a dumbass meme or a your mom joke or something. You, you've got to be your buddy with these guys. Being a buddy builds trust. If I know that I can – you know, pass a joke, or my guys know they can pass a joke between each other, if they can throw a shot at me, you know, just just being, you know, just just being a guy, just, or, you know, just being a friend and having a discussion, you know, that builds trust. That builds the knowledge that, hey, when I fall through a hole or one of these guys fall through a hole, someone, one of the other is going to be there to to yank us out, you know. It's just builds it builds something uh, at least that's what i feel um you know but we're you know and, and greg mentioned that we'll, we'll get to expectations down the road here in this conversation but we have expectations if you if you have those expectations for each other it sets the course and people know what to expect and you don't have to quote unquote be the boss do i have to make sure you're keeping your emt squared away do i have to make sure that you're uh you know doing your documentation yes if there's if those things are part of the requirements of the day, then yeah, that's that being a boss. As well, if you make a bad decision and I've got to quote unquote boss you, then that's what's gotta happen. Again, because not being a boss is a failure of the mission. It just comes down to that. So yeah, we can be a buddy and a boss. I'd rather be your buddy. So come talk to me. Let me know you got something going on before it becomes a boss thing. Because we can handle our business a whole lot easier when we're handling it like buddies than when it comes down to being a boss thing. So that's kind of the way that I see it. Um, I've had some challenging employees in the past, uh, you know, that might not have been as close to a, a buddy as some of the other guys that I've worked with. But in the end, I think that we can, when when push comes to shove, it, it becomes what's going to be best for the mission, what's going to be best for the organization and, and, and the employee, uh, you know, crew member, employee, kind of interchangeable. Um, but that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised that all three of us are kind of on the same page with that. Um, I know with my guys, we, uh, we try to have a lot of fun. We're really close. I'm blessed to have um, – a great crew, you know, other officers that lift me up and set me on the right path and uh, a group of hard chargers that just, you know, I wouldn't take uh, any other crew. People like, oh, make your uh, your uh, your perfect engine company. 
and to be honest with you, I, I think I could probably do that with, um, you know, my company, which is saying a lot. Um, you know, and if you, you come by my firehouse and uh, the jokes are flying, uh, you know, for the past probably month we've been obsessed with this rat porn thing and, you know, you get some zingers and there's some guys that come in like, oh, you say that to your lieutenant? And I'm like, come on, man. Like the uh, stupid rat porn that we, we, we get throughout the firehouse is, you know, just indicative of, of the the relationship that we all have and the bond that we've kind of created. Um, they had that going. I've kind of just kind of jumped into it head first and it's kind of worked out. Um, so, so, so let me let me get this straight, Cal. I, again, most of my career is in the suburbs or, or, or a recent career. What is this rat porn? Um, I don't know if I can. <laughs> so I don't know if I can play it. Uh, it I don't know if it'll play with the microphone. Hold on. Let me see if I can do it. I'm going to have to unplug my headset. So hold on one second. See if I can get it to play. <laughs> Which is really fitting in so many different places in firehouse life. Yeah. All right. All right. Did you hear it that time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's the infamous rap horn, and that goes off anytime somebody says like, you know, some joke that could be, you know, get under somebody's skin or something. We're one of those oh moments. The boo, 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 boo. and you know, if we don't have it pulled up enough, then we, you know, mouth it like that. Like oh boo 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 boo, because we have a. Uh, we have a family dinner, so there's no TV, um, no phones, so, you know, you can't have phones out uh, sitting around the table to do the rat horn. So uh, that kind of ruins it, but we'll do it, you know, by our mouths and kind of do it right away. Greg doesn't find it as funny. <laughs> no, he, I, I thought that you said rat as in rodent, porn as in pornography. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, rat, R-A-T. Horn. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, All right. Moving on. Moving along. Nothing to see here. Uh, that's got to make the. That's got to make the final cut. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you guys t- touched. Uh, I kind of said it. You guys touched on it a little bit too. Um, we'll start with Mike this time. Um, do you set expectations for your crew from day one? Um, or do you just kind of roll in and let let the guys kind of see what other people do? So a couple of years back, um, I sat down and put together my expectations. Um, I didn't quite use the format that uh, that Mark Von Offen uses, but I did. I, I put together kind of a, a hazard day look. How are we going to communicate? Um, what do I expect out of you? What are your, you know, what um, what do I need you to do throughout your your, your shift? Uh, what do I need you to do, kind of, with your career? You know, wear your uniform, keep your EMT or your driver's license up to date. Uh, you know, those kind of things. But I also um, broke down and into uh, what the individual responsibilities are for the day based upon what your riding assignment is. We use riding assignments in our organization. Um, it kind of sets the tone before the bells even go off as to who's going to do what when you're riding the rig uh, and what your responsibility is once we get to an incident. Uh, and then it, it, it's kind of part of the bigger picture is we have unit responsibilities depending on how you're due on a call for 
all of our major responses, you know, house fire, gas leak, building, you know, commercial building fire, that, that, that kind of a thing. So having those unit adaptations and then having riding assignments and expectations based upon those, you know, riding assignments, it, it's only, uh, it only made sense to me to have shift expectations. So it's probably, uh, it's probably wordier than it needs to be. It has evolved with every new uh, crew member that's come to work with me, because when I find out that I'm going to get a new crew member, uh, I, I sit down and I, I look at the document and I review it and say, okay, what needs to be changed? What needs to be added? Uh, you know, and over the years of dealing with uh, different personalities, different types of folks, things have needed to be added in there that, that I didn't think really needed to be spelled out beforehand, but some people, you know, are everybody's a little bit different. And so if your expectations are clear from the beginning, uh, then then there's no surprises down the road on, on the things that you can you can predict. So when I get a new employee coming to the firehouse or a new crew member, uh, I look at my expectations that the the guys have already seen, everybody else that, that I've worked with have already seen, and make any edits that need need to occur. And then we all sit down together as a crew as best as we can through call volume some, at some point in that first day once we get them squared away on the rig, once we get up their equipment squared away and get them a locker and that kind of stuff, we have them have a meal. Then we'll sit down shortly thereafter. The entire crew will go go to go through the expectations. Uh, it's probably getting a little old for some of my guys. Some of my guys I've worked with for three, four, I think uh, one of my guys I've worked with for over six years. Um, so he's seen it, but I think that it's important that the new crew member sees the expectation sees that everybody is getting the same expectations and, and it allows them to kind of police themselves as as well again it goes back to that kind of buddy or boss thing if your buddy sees that you're screwing around or not checking the rig out then that you know they one of the other guys will 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 pressure the the guy who, who just may be having an off day and say hey did you check this did you get caught up on that that kind of thing because that's what everybody knows what the plan is all right, good stuff, Mike. As always, uh, if anybody doesn't know, Mike is my like go-to inside guy. If I uh, need someone to call, he's also my second and uh, assistant lead instructor or whatever. Probably going to be lead instructor for FDIC this year, so he's always my knowledge guy. So it's not a surprise that he's knocking out of the park again. Um, Greg, uh, do you set expectations as a new company officer? I know you, you know, didn't get promoted that long ago, so you probably had. Um, a little bit different at time, you know, this is your first set of expectations. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, the, the very first set. And fortunately, uh, I haven't had to haven't had to do any tweaking. Um, so the way our uh, promotional system works, uh, we're on a, we build a two-year list. Uh, I was, uh, I ranked like 10 out of 15 on that current, on that list. And I had about uh, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half, between when I knew that I was going to get promoted and actually happening. Uh, and I remember uh, talking with both of you ab about this list of expectations. Um, not that I wanted it to be someone else's list, but to help me think through and, you know, make sure I wasn't missing anything, making sure I wasn't uh, too in-depth or, or too critical. Um, but but very much uh, built a list. Uh, I sat on it. I slept on it. Um 
I reread it multiple times. Uh, some of the, most of most of my list, uh, most of my expectations are very much about the job. Um, you know, making sure your radio is is making sure your nozzle is squared away if you're riding that position, so on and so forth. Um, but uh, you know, the the big four you mentioned, Mark earlier, Mark Von Oppen, uh the big four, the the ten for me. 10 for you, you know, these are things that I included, and, and everybody got a copy. I wanted them to be able to reference it back. I didn't want them to say, hey, uh, what did that guy mention the other day? He wants me to do what? Um, but it's, uh, but it also included, you know, treating each other with respect. That was, uh, that is an expectation that I, that I won't falter on. I, I don't, didn't want to see any strife between, uh, the members of the company. Again, I, I came into their company, um, Newly promoted, they were my first group. Uh, was, they had been together uh, two to four years. Uh, I say they'd been together. They had been on that engine for two to four years, but they had all been together at least two years. Um, I laid out the expectations about ten o'clock on the first day we worked, uh, a couple hours right after shift change, and uh, again, it was it was functional. It was. Knowing your job, being ready for your job, it was treating each other with respect. Um, I, I very much uh, wanted them to believe that I expect, expected them to hold me accountable. Um, you know, West Point Code of Conduct, I'm, I'm listening to a few things here. will not lie, cheat, steal, or allow anyone among us to do so, and, and I very much... Uh, remind them of that not that not that it's been an issue but we are brothers and sisters uh i expect them uh to look after each other and and to look after me when when i'm not there um one of the guys that one of my uh academy cadre uh that from the academy that, that i came on the job in he's you know, 33 in our academy he told us uh if one of you comes in with a black eye, I expect the other 32 to have a black eye also. We are there for one another first. Uh, that is that is one of my expectations. I want them to stick up for one another and hold each other accountable uh, throughout the job. Uh, that accountability and, and expectation has not made me be a bullshit. They knew where I was coming from. It's uh, I didn't get any pushback. I definitely saw that look in their eye the, the first day. Again, this is easy to remember because it was just a few months ago. It's like, oh, boy, here he is. He's going to lay down the law. He's going to tell us blah, 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 and it's going to go in one ear and out the other. But uh, I feel like I had buy-in from the first day because it was it was pretty simple. It wasn't a very long list, um, and it was more about – uh, being good people and being good firemen than anything. Sounds like uh, you guys laid it on the line. I know I was frustrated when I first uh, got to my first company, and I, I didn't really get expectations from myself or what to expect from the uh, company officer on my first assignment. So I wanted to make sure that I was taken care of that, you know, on, on the that end when I got promoted. I know I used uh, a variation of Mark's 10 for you, 10 for me, uh, I changed it to make it more applicable to us. I'll be changed four or five of them. Um, 
you know. But it, it, it's pretty self-standard stuff. You know, it's not – or sorry, standard stuff. Um, it's not like we're changing anything to um, really, you know, reenact you – know, recreate anything crazy. It was the same issues are all across all the fire department. Now, um, I'll ask you guys, since I had some blowback on mine, how you – how you would deal with something like that. I know I was handed, like I said, it was printed out with an old picture of me put and framed on the wall because um, I had gone back to my original company, or original station where I was at for six years um, before I left there for, for three, um, before I was promoted and then sent back to that station. So they knew me pretty well, um, and they didn't necessarily know the person I had become. They knew who I was, not who I currently was, uh, currently am. And they called it a manifesto because I printed it out, just like Greg said, you want them um, to not to be any kind of miscommunication. It's in writing. Everybody can read it. Um, there's no way to misunderstand what, what's said in writing. Um, so they called my, my manifesto and kind of went off, and I said, hell, yeah, it's my manifesto, and that's how we're going to operate in this company. Um, I expect you to, and, and, you know, with the backing of the captain there at the time, to, to live by these things. And uh I think by the second time I moved uh, a battalion chief and I that got along really well decided I wanted to move, move, go back downtown and I went back down to the company I'm with now. They were really receptive of it and uh, you know even you know the 34 year guy we have that's been there for a long time you know kind of looked at it with a little bit of uh, a critical eye. But I think once he realized that my heart was in the right place, it, it got a whole lot better. Did you guys get any blowback, Greg, on your first kind of like set of expectations? And, Mike, do you uh, do you get some as, as new guys coming to your company or as outsiders looking to your company? Greg, we'll start with you. Um, you know, uh, blowback from my company, no. They were a little concerned, I think, because I had such a list. Again, I, I don't feel it's a big list, but I think uh, – Speaking of, of the culture in my department, I, I like you said, I didn't get a list of expectations when I was a new guy. Uh, they were, it was pretty simple. Hey, show up to work, uh, be ready to work, and that was a, that was about all I remember from 22 years ago. Uh, showing my age here a little bit, um, but I didn't get any blowback. Uh, I had a couple of them come to me after the fact and want me to clarify some things because, again, it was. Uh, a little bit of a, a culture shock that that I told them up front. Um, you know, hey, this is this is what I want. And for the most part, it was non-negotiable. We could we could own some things, or you know, maybe I could clean up the way they were worded. But I, I didn't think that I was asking too much of anyone. Um, fortunately, we're we're still building a team. I haven't uh, haven't had any transfers in or out of my house, uh, at least on my shift. Um, which is uh, pretty rare in my department. We we see a lot of transfers. Um, you know, shift change with incoming floats, details, trade times, uh, whatever you you know, whoever's coming in, they they get a brief rundown on the on the day to day aspects of that. But uh, you know, so far so good. Not a lot of pushback from anyone. So I haven't uh, I hadn't got any blowback from from any of my guys because. Uh, and, and I wouldn't call it blowback. I would I, I would say that um, input uh, when when we did when we were getting you know a transfer of people moving around. You know we're we're a, we're a very large department. We're 900 members. We're 45 firehouses, four shifts. We're a big place. There's movement over time. Um, so uh, you know, well, I'd like to have everybody for 
for, for years and years on end, and I've got my guys that I've had for years and years on end, uh, and, and, and those guys will, will come to me when we have somebody uh, coming in. And, and and they know that when somebody's coming, that that I'm going to sit down with the expectations and look at them and and review them, and and, and they're going to see them again, and they'll come to me and say, hey, what if we what if we put this in the in the expectations, or what if we clarify this a little bit better so that everybody's on the same page to to maybe dodge that problem that we had in the in the past. So I wouldn't say that it's it's pushback. Um, I can see where. You know, some people may may get taken aback by having to sit down and, and discuss these things. Uh, but I would say that those people are probably folks that that would be ha- uncomfortable having that discussion at any time, uh, whether it was with a new person or or, or with a new officer or, or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's two things that firefighters don't like. We've heard this before. They don't like change and they don't like things the way they are. Um, so. Uh, it's it's one of those things where if if a member hasn't been exposed to this level of expectation, then then you may you may push back on it. I think that's probably what what you experienced in your first assignment, Kyle, was that, that they weren't used to to having a standard that that an officer wanted from them. You know, they may never have understood what their previous officer wanted, or maybe their previous officer didn't didn't know what he wanted of his people. Um, yeah, that's not very so. common in my department for guys to lay out expectations. Um, and not saying it's good or bad. It's just sure. it's not something that we've done. It's not part of our culture. Um, things are starting to, to change and uh, get a little bit better on that front there. So this is one of the biggest things I had uh, and uh, biggest challenges that I've had as a company officer. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's it's handling training with new versus experienced What I mean by that is, um, you know, anybody I can go out and say, hey, rookie, you're new, it's time to pull hose so the day's done. Um, and most of us, I think all three of us, would probably be okay with that um, in our situations if, if I got our guy said or, our, you know, said you have to pull hose all day. But how do you tell the 15-year guy or gal um and get them motivated to do the, the basic training that's the core of our job, that's the linchpin of what we do, how do you enforce that without them kind of bucking back and saying, oh, this is bull crap, we don't need to do it, yada, yada, yada. I know a lot of firefighters um, are in the position where they feel like guys don't want to do this basic stuff. And I think a lot of the people that will listen to this could use some tips or information or just see how guys do it um, so then they can kind of bring it back and uh, do it for their department. Um, Greg, uh, how do you deal with that kind of stuff, you know, the difference between training a new guy and and training an experienced one? Uh, So uh, good question here, taking it probably to a different level than than where you're intending, but never been been involved with teaching an academy. that being said, just ruling out the newest of new, uh, the, the guy that has no experience, a uh, guy or girl for that matter. Um, but also, and, and kind of in the same ballpark, I'm, I'm an adjunct instructor for a couple of the community colleges around, and um, you work with various levels of experience. What I see is 
the older guys, uh, the more experienced dudes, chicks, uh, if I'm not giving you something that's valuable, I completely understand why those older, uh, older, more experienced dudes and chicks think that it's BS that we're trying to stretch line all day. I, I buy that. I, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, the newer, if I'm not teaching the new guy how to do something that works for him, I'm wasting my time. What I have found um, is that if I explain, if I can demonstrate or explain what I'm trying to teach to the level that makes you get it, most of the time I get buy-in, regardless of, of how experienced or how new they are. Um, it's it's that uh, that new trick, you know. Nobody needs a new trick if their old trick works just fine. But when when you're showing something new, uh, teaching a style that that improves, I've not had a lot of lot of problem. Um, I, I try to explain where I'm coming from. Uh, Aaron Fields uh, several years ago, and probably the first time that, uh, if not the first, second time that I uh, had a class on Aaron. He mentioned, uh, and this is a, a loose quote, but you know, if you can't explain something, you, you probably shouldn't be teaching it. Uh, if, if you don't explain it enough that I can make you understand, then I failed. And, and if I'm if I'm failing at, at trying to teach something, then I need to regroup and, and back up. And kind of all over the place with the the new versus the experience. But I I very much feel that I I don't try to teach things that everybody's already doing good at. Um, yeah, I hate that uh, tool in the toolbox, but, you know, we only need so many ways to do things, and, and especially within a company. I want us all trying to do the same thing, the best thing, the best method the first time. I don't want three guys coming out off the engine and all be on a different plan because we've got so many of those tools in the toolbox. Uh, it's two different mindsets to try to break through. The new guy wants to soak it up. And the experienced guy, um, you know, let, let's be honest with ourselves. Most people at 10 to 15 years plus think, I've done this, I'm familiar with it, I know what I'm doing. Um, they, they, they've done it at fires. The fires have went well in their mind. You know, the old adage that the fire goes out and, you know, everything, you know, everybody went home, it, it rings true. If nothing goes wrong, you don't realize that there's a deficiency in your game. Um, we've tried to, do a really good job of unfront saying, listen, how you do it is fine. If you want to keep doing it, here's some ways that we think you can improve on it. Um, and just saying, hey, this is just from some stuff we've learned or we've picked up or some stuff that we've created. And I think it can make us more beneficial, more efficient as a company. I think you really have to push towards people's ego. Um, and, you know, some people push towards the pride and try to, you know, say, oh, you you know, kind of hit it there, but I think it's more of an ego thing. If you if you stroke their ego and tell people that what they do is already good, but we'll see if we can try to improve it. You know, it's one of those you know compliment twice. You know, uh, you know, two positives for each negative mm -hmm. kind of thing. I think that goes really well with trying to teach experienced firefighter stuff as opposed to new kids. Because new kids, you don't, you know, they'll just listen to whatever you have to do. But, but experienced guys have done it, and they're efficient, and, and they feel like they've done it really well. So the last thing you want to do is put them in a position that puts them on their heels. You want to get them saying, all right, you know, uh, um, you did really well at this fire. I think you've seen a lot of work. 
you know, let's see if we can, you know, get it a little bit better, and then it'll be, you know, top notch. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Mike, how do you feel about that kind of hey, concept? Let, let me add one more thing in there, Kyle. You, yeah, you no brought problem. Me back, you brought me back to uh, to kind of where I was focused. Um, just like my expectations uh, with the new crew, or, or me coming to them, I should say, I, I mentioned early on that, hey, you're going to see a stopwatch. It's not because I'm Mr. Drill Sergeant. You know, I, I have no uh, military background, but I very much – uh, re- respect uh, the formality and and dedication and determination that um, many of us, you know, learn about military uh, uh, boot camps and so on. But you know, I told them up front, you're going to see a stopwatch because if I can't measure where you are, I can't tell where we, you know where we go. If you don't know where you're coming from, you can't tell where you gained or lost. When, when the new techniques, you know, hey, there were several uh, evolutions that, that we timed with, with what they were accustomed to doing. And then I try to lead from the front, uh, which comes back into leadership. But, you know, I demonstrated and I showed them that, hey, this will probably work better than this in this particular instance. And, and when we put that stopwatch on it and they saw drastic improvements over what they were doing, uh, you know, from the from the 15 year, uh, again, what we call lieutenant, and my, my driver who's been on the job 15 years, uh, to the four year dude who who just made relief driver, um, it, it helped to to bring it in that hey, Greg wasn't in left field, uh, he's laying down some decent stuff, and he proved that his way. Or that technique again. I, I don't create many things. Uh, most of what I do is regurgitate what I find that works. But uh, when I was bringing something new to them, showing them on on that with that stopwatch, uh, that that really helped me get buy-in uh, from guys who guys and girls who who aren't brand new to the job. Roll on. Great little add-on, uh, Greg. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about? Training uh, new uh, versus experienced firefighters and your role as a company officer. I really enjoy when new folks hit the station, whether they're assigned there or detailed or overtime or or whatever, because I see a spark light off in in my older guys, my more experienced guys, um, because they get the opportunity to not only uh, share some of their knowledge, but they also get the opportunity to, uh, you know, take a take a little bit of ownership in molding the future of our organization. Um, so uh, we have had the opportunity. We don't all, because of the way that our station staffed uh, and the services we have, we don't often get uh, fresh out of the academy recruits. Um, they're they're working on trying to figure out how to how to do that for us. Uh, but we, we often will get some folks that come through that, you know, are in their first or second year, maybe their second or third year, um, and they're, they're coming from places that aren't quite as busy maybe, uh, and they get to, get to kind of experience something new and get caught up to speed in, in how we do things in, in our place. Um, and, and I really enjoy seeing the, seeing the, the younger guys come in and, and, and seeing the, the older guys kind of really take ownership. They'll often say, hey, they'll come to me and say, this is what I want to do with this guy today. Okay, great. Go for it. Uh, you know, and it's usually pretty close to what I had planned to do anyway. 
on that first shift, second shift, third shift, whatever, and and then moving de- moving down the road. And well, I'm not a big uh, stopwatch guy because uh, I think it's got too many butts for me to operate. Sometimes uh, I noticed that my guys will they'll pull out the phone and they'll, they'll they'll run a stopwatch on somebody, or they'll pull out a phone and they'll videotape it because if you videotape it, not only do you get time time it took to do the task, but you also can go back and and, and critique the movements as they occurred and go, all right, well, if you would, you know, flip the, the line this way or flip the line that way or taking your turn a little wider stretch in the line or, or you know, done a beam raise versus a, a flat raise, you know, whatever it is, um, the guys are using, they're using, you know, real-time video to to build critiques on themselves. And, and when I try to remember to get my phone out, I'll, I'll do the same as well. Um, but when you've got a, once that guy's squirt away and you've done all the basics, then what do you do? Um, and something that I, I've liked, and, and we run in cycles with it, we'll, we'll do it good for a couple of weeks, and then we'll trail off, and then we'll do it again. Um, I'll, I'll assign, and, and not it's not so much a sign, but I'll say, hey, uh, Josh, uh, next shift, give me a 15-minute company drill on breathing apparatus. Uh, George. Next shift, give me a 15-minute company drill on uh, heavy hookups on a hydrant, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it, what, what typically happens is it starts as a 10 or 15-minute discussion around a cup of coffee that evolves into, all right, let's pull the rig out and do this. And then it evolves, well, we could probably use this skill at this building in our area or the next area over. Let's go take a look at it. Um, but what we've done is we've gotten buy-in from the crew. It's it's member-driven education. So that guy is getting himself better to prepare because he doesn't want to look like a dipshit in front of the crew. And then it brings the whole crew together to practice the skill. And that 15 minutes turns into, you know, half hour, 45 hours, something like that, 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 that fills some of the time. And everybody gets a little gets a little piece of it. So there's that. That that's one of the skills that I use, or one of the one of the things that I do with with my guys. And the other the other is, hey guys, I'm a dipshit. I haven't touched this piece of equipment in, you know, who knows how long. Let's pull it off the rig. Let's tear it apart. Let's see what it looks like. You tell me about it. Or you know, we haven't messed with a rip pack in a while. Let's pull the rip pack rip pack out. Uh, so. I I try to uh, – I'm lucky in the fact that my crew is is pretty experienced. Uh, most of my guys have got greater than five. I've got a couple that have got greater than ten years on, on the job. So it is a lot of repeating the same stuff over and over, but I think that we all get something out of it, um, especially when, when, you know, I take a step back and go, hey, I'm not a good, as good at this as maybe you are, Chris. Tell me about it. Talk to us about it. What what have I forgotten about this tool or this task or 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 something like that? So I try to make it as much of a crew thing as as possible to get buy in from everybody to uh, you know dumb myself down a little bit uh, on on some things that I'm not quite as dialed in on as as maybe I should be or want to be. But you know we've all got pretty full plates in in life and we can't be 100 percent on everything. But that's why they send crews to calls, not just you know, one guy who's an expert at everything. See and look at that. You just just sum it up just perfect. That's why I have you on, Mike. <laughs> you wrap it up with a nice little bow. 
Um, <laughs> so anyway, we'll transition to just something else. Uh, what's one thing you wish you had known when you started out? Um, I know I, as a company officer, I know I would have started out with a much thicker skin, uh, knowing that some of the things you do, it's not a personal offense against you. You, at some points, represent the man, and then at some points represent uh the things, you know, the crew. So it, even though they may be fed up with it or you may be the target that day, it's not necessarily you that they're frustrated with. You just happen to be the closest thing that represents the top of the organization. And uh I think the easiest way you can do that is just by understanding that it's not personal. Um, uh, you know, the, the guy, you guys are still buddies, and, and, but... Somebody did something that, that kind of squared them, the, you know, set them up the wrong way, and you're the one that's in the sights that day, and, and you got to kind of just roll with that. Uh, so what do you guys think uh, you would have uh, wished you to know when you started out? Take it, Mike. Mike. All right, so uh, in our organization, we you got to have paramedic to promote. Uh, so the majority of our officers spend some amount of time on a non-suppression ALS transport unit um, for an unknown amount of time. It all depends on how long the, the person decides they want to take before they promote or how long it takes them to pass the test. So for me, it was like two and a half or three years where I was doing nothing but riding an ambulance up and down the road, going to calls, taking people to the hospital, you know, all the, all the crap that goes with a uh, fire and EMS department. So while I was doing that, I was I was chasing engines to calls. I was reading Fire Engineering Magazine. I was looking at websites and blog posts and all that kind of stuff because I really – because I, I didn't want to lose my edge. And then I got to – I got in my acting spot, and I went to a firehouse, and I got a bunch of guys that were showing up to work all day, guys and girls that were showing up to work every day. Uh, and, then it, and then it happened. I'm sitting in the office banging away on the computer, making it look like I'm busy. And a guy comes to the door, he knocks on the door, and he says the seven words that freak me out the most as an officer. Hey, Lou, can I talk to you? And he walks in and closes the door. You never know what's coming when that employee, at that point, is often an employee-supervisor conversation. You never know what's going to come out of that employee's mouth. This happened a handful of times to me over the last couple of years, um, you know. And sometimes it's, "Hey, bud, come on in. We got to close the door. We got to talk." Um, I wish that I had spent more time preparing myself for those situations. Whatever your EAP situation is in your department, whatever your disciplinary process is, whatever your retraining process, whatever your process is just for getting somebody help in their career. I wish that I had spent some more time preparing for that um, because we're only going to calls, you know, calls. We're running calls. We're, you know, doing emergencies a fraction of our day at work. And the rest of our day has got is, – is filled with, with several things. And like I said earlier, we spent a quarter of our lives with our coworkers, with our shift mates. Three quarters of their lives, they're out in the world with things going on that 
can get dragged back to work and affect work. And as an officer, we need to be prepared for that eventuality and how we're going to manage our employee, whatever our employee shows up at our door with. Um, and really, it can have long-lasting effects on somebody's career and life and in, in how we handle that. You know, there's a lot of health, mental health and, and physical health things out there, discussions in the fire service right now. Um, and, and as an officer, you've got to be kind of keeping an eye on some of that stuff and figuring out what's, what's the right thing to do because all too often we're finding that there's warning signs for things that, uh, that, that come up, come up in people's careers and, and, and we're missing them. So that's, I guess that's what I wish I had known. And had gone to a whole bunch more fires as a fireman so I could be better prepared tactically. But, you know, that's it. So Mike wishes he had gotten more of everything before he got promoted. Noted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I pretty much want everything. But, um, you know. So we, we luck out here in the state of Virginia. There's a program called the Virginia Fire Officers Academy, and it's all soft skills, interpersonal skills. It's not decision-making. It's not tactical. You go to the University of Richmond for a week. They put you up, uh, you do team building exercises, stuff like that. You're building the squads, um, firemen, firefighters from all over the state. And that's the stuff you deal with. That conversation at the end of the week, it's two days of role playing of, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Or some sort of, uh, you know, emotional breakdown by a firefighter or having to counsel somebody. Um, so I was really lucky to attend this before I got promoted. And uh, I hope, and I'm not sure you guys might know in Maryland and North Carolina, that other states have a similar program. But, I mean, that was game changer. So, uh, Greg, how about you? What, what did you wish you had known when you started out as a company officer? Uh, to, to use had, had known is, is very past tense. I'm, I'm still struggling. Um, the, the, those type things, uh, so far, I've, I've, I've worked out pretty well, uh, you know, there haven't been any uh any standout issues with my crew. It's it's the it's the fear of getting someone to my crew or or having that fill in, trade time callback, whatever, uh having that dude or chick who comes in and is the hardhead, who disrupts things. Me personally, I have a hard time figuring out what makes those people tick? I, I don't get, I don't get the negativity, uh, negativity for the job. Not about negativity for people. We all are going to agree or disagree. You know, it's it's not me to decide. It's not up to me to decide. Hey, that that Kyle uh, is smart, not smart, pretty, not pretty. I don't care. But when Kyle comes to my company and and Kyle is negative about how I do things or negative about our job, that freaks me out. And I've dealt with I've worked with people in the past on the same you know the the, the same rank, same level where it wasn't my job to fix. But I just dread the day that I get one of them, and I don't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle it then. You know, I can force you to mop the floor. I can force you to stretch a hose this particular way, but I cannot force you to not be an asshole. Yeah, I can keep you from calling someone else an asshole. I can, there are a lot of little things that I can correct, but 
underline that that person is an asshole or a jackass or a deadbeat, whatever negative term you want to put on them. Those are the ones that that I just it bugs me to that I can't figure out how to motivate them, how how to change their opinion of life, how to help them improve their job. Uh, man, that that, that haunts me because I know what's coming. Um, again, I'm I'm very new to this. I'm I'm learning. I learn it. I learn something every day. Uh, that's that's one of those. Uh, one of those phrases that, yeah, I'll, although you need to learn something every day, it doesn't need to be mentioned. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep rolling. Um, I just, man, I hope that I can retire and not have to deal with one of those people. Uh, but I do look forward to the challenge. I hope that I can rise to meet it. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's coming. So uh, that kind of rolls into our next one with biggest frustrations. That sounds like you, that that would be – one of your biggest frustrations would be the guy that comes in and is just, just an asshole all the time, doesn't want to train, doesn't do anything like that. Are there any other frustrations you have, um, Greg, that so far in your time as a company officer? Uh, kind of along the same line, the, the lack of passion for the job. Again, you know, I can deal with somebody who doesn't like the color of my skin, doesn't like the, the way that I eat, uh, the religion that I do or don't decide to follow, but we are firemen, and you know the 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 paycheck the paycheck firefighter. I, I won't use, use paycheck fireman, but the paycheck firefighter that is uh, that is my biggest frustration currently on the job. Uh, no one in my company, but I see it. I, I see it across our city. I see it with the. The neighboring departments, I see it, you know, through the interwebs, through the social media. There are so many people who want to say they're firefighters and wear the shirt, have the sticker, but they don't care about the job. And I know that the the three of us, we're we're all friends for a reason. Uh, very very passionate group here. Uh, it just drives me insane that. Someone would would pick this job. The pay isn't that great. It's not bad, but it's not that great to come potentially put yourself in a in a life or death situation, or put the rest of your crew or citizens in your neighborhood in a life or death situation because you don't care. And and yeah, that is there. There's not many other ways to describe or, or anything else to add to that. That is definitely my biggest frustration professor dowling uh how about you man what's what's your uh, biggest frustration oh crap don't ever put those words together with my name that's for sure buddy <laughs> could you um, imagine uh welcome to your first day of uh firefighting 101 my name's professor Dowling. you've got to wear the little tiny like square hat though you know oh god sorry horrible i don't even want to go to college myself let alone have somebody be <laughs> a student of mine at college that's a terrible uh, oh, boy, we probably break a bunch of rules and no one would learn anything, but, you know, we might have fun doing it. Does anybody remember that movie with, uh, was it, was it Back to School? With, um, I know, Mike, you're not a movie guy. Rodney Dangerfield? With Rodney Dangerfield and Sam Kinison as the history professor. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead! Go ahead! 
it's, I could see it, Mike getting to that point of just screaming <laughs> at students incessantly after they don't realize that, no, you don't flow water from the front yard. Um, and come to our FDIC class. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No, that's, that's just Professor and I'm Mike, not Instructor oh, I, I, Mike. Oh, I got yeah. you. Oh, I got you. All, All right. right. So, Mike, right. we've got to off track. Biggest frustrations, Mike? Ah, biggest frustrations. Um, y- you know, uh, it's uh, – I guess the biggest frustration as as an officer uh, is is when you got a plan and you got an idea, you know, you're you're driving to work, you know what you're going to do, and then as soon as you walk in the door, it it blows up in your face because the chief calls about something, or you know, the apparatus has got some issue, or or something like that. And I guess that comes down to to just you know, be being flexible. I used to I used to make my plan for the day. Uh, you know, in my head on the way on the way to work, or the the night before work, when you're tossing and turning and not able to sleep because you're excited to go to work. Um, I'm sure a lot of professions have that, but um, you know, and I, now I've gotten to the fact of all right, now I'm, I'm going to get to work and I'm gonna I'm gonna make my plan for the day about you know 45 minutes into the day because something inevitably if it's going to break, it's going to break you know prior to that. Well, she's going to call with some some plan or some some thing that is out of his hands, but it's fallen into my hands by by default. Um, you know, that, that I guess that's that's the 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 great part about our job that is never the same every day, but also that it's, it's kind of frustrating that you know all right, I want to go to this, this building, I want to do this drill, this drill, this drill, and and you you you, you don't get it done. And I guess. I guess that's probably not a very good answer because I guess I'm not frustrated by a whole lot. My guys will probably say otherwise that I'm throwing something or angry about something in the firehouse more regularly than that. But I guess I'm pretty lucky we've got a we got a good thing going on in my place. Well, that's pretty good. I think most people can relate to that frustration of, all right, I've got this all set. Ah, oh, crap, the day just went to hell, and I've got – you know, two hours free in the afternoon, but it's three o'clock and we haven't been to the store yet, and you know, so it's it's hard to fill everything in, and uh, it's definitely a big frustration. That was going to be mine. I guess I'll kind of go on to another one. Is is, is my biggest one is um, having a leadership that bad mounts just about everybody. Um, you know, if you've got command staff or or guys above you coming in. That they want you to fall in line with what you're trying to do, but yet you're bad enough at everybody else. I think that um, really doesn't do a whole lot of good. I try not to comment on any other officer that I work with. You know, I, I ride the medic. Uh, we're cross staff, and I'll, I'll jump on the medic. We have to do so many calls a quarter or whatever. But I try to ride the night shift when I'm done meeting my goals to try to give my guys a break. And a lot of guys will come in and be like, oh, yeah, well, my officer doesn't do that. I'm like, well, that's, that's his decision. That's his MO. Um, I think as officers, we ha- are held to a higher standard, and to you to, to cut somebody out at the knees, you know, whether or not you feel like you're doing that, if somebody else brings up their officer and compare him to you, and you don't say, well, hey, he may have a reason for what he's doing, you're cutting that person off at the knees, and you're really reducing their effectiveness as a company officer to that crew. Um, um so this is kind of how we closed out the last one. Um, Mike, you already said you're not much of a reader, uh, but one of my favorite things is I, I'm, I'm a reader. Is this because a reader? I know Grant is as well. Um, what, what are you reading right now? 
Uh, I am uh, in between, briefly in between books. I just finished uh, one of uh, Dave, I'm going to butcher the guy's name, uh, Dave, I believe it's House Seal. Uh, Dave House Seal is the uh, a retired firefighter from the city of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's also the department's historian, uh, and he has written a series of books that are right up my my style. They're five or six page long chapters, and they are basically the stories of the Harrisburg Fire Department, both things that he dug up in his task as historian, um, but also um, stories that he experienced in his 25 or 30 year career in uh, in a great little central Pennsylvania city. Uh, great to be a fireman in that that that's for sure. Uh, and I believe the name of that book was They Come in Threes. But he has a series of three or four books that are awesome. They are very much uh, like Leo Stapleton type of, of books that I really enjoy. Um, so I, I bought the, th- his, the three books of his that I didn't have. I got them for my boys to read who are uh, – their elementary school, they're getting a little older, and they're they're starting to see a little bit of the spark, I think. Um, but, of course, I had to read them as well. So I read uh, one of his books. I finished that up. And uh, I think the next topic in our conversation is talking about Fire Service Warrior. My plan after I get off this phone call is to go downstairs in the basement and dig out my Chris Brennan books and and open the page again on the uh, some of the Fire Service Warrior writings. Sweet molasses, Mr. Wheeler, how about you? <laughs> I've probably never read it completely cover to cover, but I feel like I've probably read every article in it two or three different times. Um, it, I pick it up, I look for something, I read it, I put it down. Uh, Tommy Brennan's Random Thoughts, uh, that's a go-to for me. I, I love to pick it up, read several pages, uh, kind of like Mike mentioned with the Leo Stapleton, it's it's Easy to read. It doesn't take a long time to cover a few things. Um, last Men Out was probably the the last uh, quote unquote book. This you know something other than reference. Uh, that was a great book. That was uh, you know FDNY is not everything to everybody, but man, they're they're a pretty great department, and all of us uh, can learn something from them. I, I really dig how they. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we have random transfers on the regular. We don't get the amount of time in a particular firehouse that to ever learn each other and, and learn the area. Uh, I, I saw on on Facebook yesterday a dude retired out of one of the houses, uh, Trenton Street, maybe I wouldn't swear to it. Um, Thirty six years in one firehouse, and to dig into a book like Last Men Out and see that history, um, that culture, that, hey, I get to decide who who comes to my company or who stays in my company, uh, that was just, it's mind-blowing. There are so many facets to the fire service. Uh, most of my reading is, is fire service. I, I don't. I don't enjoy just picking up a book because somebody told me it was a good read and, and sitting down and, and reading it till it's gone. I, I don't have the time away from the firehouse to, to do that. Uh, 
two kids a year and a half and one almost three. Man, I'm 46 years old. I, I started late in life, and my day's pretty consumed when I'm not at the firehouse. Uh, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more desire to read, but uh, those are the, the, the type of books that I'm in. Those are all pretty good books. Uh, anybody that hasn't picked up, you know, Random Thoughts or uh, Last Men Out, uh, those are definitely great books to, to, to read to kind of get you engrossed back in the job. Um, I'm currently, like Mike said, I'm reading Combat Position again from Chris Brennan and the, the Fire Service Warrior Foundations. If you guys have not um, done it yet, I know they were raising some money the other day at adultacademy.org. Um, don't worry, it won't get flagged in your department's uh, Wi-Fi policy. It's uh, it's an actual website. It's nothing you got to worry about. It's Chris Brennan's new project there, but you can get the Fire Service Warrior Foundations book there um, with stuff from, from Brennan, Gary Lane, Brian Brush, uh, Jonah, a whole bunch of guys uh, that really were inf- influential on me getting to the point in this career where I was. I thought I was into the job before, uh, and then I read that book in the foundations, and uh, I realized that, um, nope, I was uh, had a long way to go and uh, really kind of put me in the direction of some of these guys that I didn't know, and, and it really expanded my mindset. And I'm sure um, Mike and Greg feel the same way. There's a bunch of guys out there that uh, are probably all on the same page. I'm also reading right now, it's called High-Risk Training, Managing Training Programs in High-Risk Occupations by Greg Gary Ward. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's a it's a little bit, you know, trudging through read. Um, and then Leadership and Training for the Fight, Using Special Operations Principles to Succeed in Law Enforcement, Business, and War by Master Sergeant Paul R. Howe. Um, so just a couple of things. Um, I like to read a couple of different things at once. I switched up. My ADD gets bad. Um so that's what we're reading right now. Uh, you know, just to uh, kind of summarize what we're coming up through in company officer hey, leadership. Hey, Kyle. Yep. Hey, Kyle. In a year, can we ask you how many books you're reading at once when you've got a, uh, a kid at home? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No. Very good point. <laughs> so, I, so before you jump off, Kyle, let's for, – for the, the, for the folks that are in Greg's situation and, and my situation – how do we how do we close that how do we close that gap? You know, Kyle's in a position in his life where he can sit down and, and blow through you know two or twenty pages in a book that's got more words in the title than uh, I can type in a text message uh, clearly. So so how do you how do you beat that? Um, a couple of things that I found um, is audiobooks. Uh, I had a uh, a battalion chief come to me when he came to our shift and he said, uh, you know, I tell all my officers when I come to a, come to a, 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 an assignment, I'd like them to, to read this, this book. And I said, damn it, I don't really read real well. But then I found that it's available in audiobook and I bought it in, in CD form and I've listened, and I've listened to it on my drive to work. I'm a little odd. I've got an hour and a half, two hour drive to work. So, um, but I've listened to that book in audio form, getting all of the nuggets out of that book that I could use again in the, uh, in my, in, in, in my workplace. I've listened to it three or four times with way better comprehension by just listening to it while I'm driving down the road than, uh, than, than actually sitting and slugging through the book with a whole bunch of distractions. 
Um, so I don't know whether I don't know whether Greg has tried that or or other people have has tried that. But I know a couple other guys that have really found some success in getting some of these books. There's not a lot of the leadership style or the fire department books that are books on, on tape or books on audio. Um, but, but they're out there. So, so look at those, look at those as an option. And footnote, the book is, uh, it's not your shift. It's about a, a naval, uh, commander that, uh, took over a underperforming ship. And turned their operation around and, and, and how he did it. So it's not your ship. I don't have the name of the, the, the author, but look for it. It's there. It's a pretty good book. Uh, it's a pretty good audio book. Um, I've never turned the pages on it, but I got, a, I got a lot out of it. Uh, and then, I mean, we're already listening to a podcast, so it's kind of obvious, but I, I hit podcasts with authors of books that I'd really like to read if I had the time or ability to, to turn pages like some other people. Uh, you can get a lot of the, the meat and potatoes of, of their discussion from some of these a little bit more structured um, podcasts and not just a couple of big dumb animals rambling on a phone call. All right, guys, so uh, that wraps it up. Thanks for uh, coming on talking about some company officer leadership with us, guys. Uh, again, that's Mike Dowling from Prince George's County, Maryland. And uh, Greg Wheeler from uh, from Raleigh Fire Department. Hope everybody has a good uh, Thanksgiving. Travel safe, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Journeyman Fire Podcast. Mm-hmm.